The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the seventh chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus, would you speak to us this morning? Open our hearts and minds and spirits to the presence of your spirit so that we might know what you intend for us to understand. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The passage we're looking at this morning is actually Mark chapter 9, not Mark chapter 7, so I misspoke there. So if you have a Bible and want to open it to Mark chapter 9, I would encourage you to do so. We're looking at verses 38 through 50. John speaks here on behalf, I think, of lots of the disciples, and once again, I'm grateful for disciples who just speak the truth to Jesus and gives us the opportunity of listening in to what he says to them in response But disciples are very much in need of these words of eternal life, as Jesus has spoken about. But there are ways in which they're subtle, but the temptations surface a lot for us to think wrongly about things that we see in this world. And what Jesus is about to address through his disciples, thankfully again, for John to speak, is what I think is probably called the assumption of exclusivity. And what I mean by that is the notion that my group or perhaps my denomination or my particular theological tradition is the one that is especially faithful to God and that other people need to be brought into it. What Jesus is actually here addressing is the way a disciple of Jesus relates to other disciples. The way a disciple of Jesus relates to people who are not part of their particular group, but are in fact quite possibly doing the very things that Jesus has asked them to do in the first place. This is a really sticky thing to talk about because I'm telling you how much, more, how much easier it is to reframe the words of the disciples, I'm sorry, to reframe the words that Jesus speaks 
and to forget what's actually going on. If you've got your finger in your Bible there, look at verse 40. Jesus says to his disciples, for the one who is not against us is for us. Let me tell you how most Christians think that ver- what that verse actually says. Most of us think it says, whoever is not for us is against us. That's typically how the average person on the street thinks about reality. If you're not for me, you're against me. Jesus says, no, actually, if you're not against me, you're for me. And those are not the same thing. What Jesus actually is addressing is something that is really, really subtle. I don't know if you picked it up, but in verse 38, when John first addresses Jesus, he says, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. And there it is. The two-letter word that gets us all into trouble. They were not following us. Jesus, clearly, we're doing it right. Clearly, our distinctives are right. And if everybody else would just do it like we do it, then things would be better. But there's a really subtle reality in the Christian life, and that is to recognize that if we are following Jesus, we are only able to follow him in a way that makes sense to us. Is it possible that following Jesus makes sense in a different way to somebody who is different than us? Sure it does. And so Jesus is cautioning us here. And he has some fairly harsh things to say. And he brings up this idea of little ones again. And I think it's attached to the passage we looked at last week where Jesus brings a child and he places them in the midst of the disciples. And so whoever receives this child receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And I know I wasn't here in person, but what you heard me say, if you were here last week, was that I don't think this is just um, limited to children, although it absolutely involves children, but in the cultural context of Jesus's day, a child would be a representation of any socially vulnerable group, any person or group who seems to be on the outside, who isn't part of the exclusive you know, limited group. And what does Jesus say to his disciples? When you welcome that child in, I come with them. So it's not as if we, as the group in the right, are here to dispense God's blessings to the world. Rather, Jesus says, no, when you are open to receiving others coming into your midst and bringing me with them, you posture yourselves such that you recognize you have something to be gained by opening yourself up. In fact, Jesus says that very thing to his disciples in verse 41, for he says, for truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. You see what Jesus did for a second? Instead of allowing his disciples to think that they're on the inside, pointing out the faults of those on the outside, Jesus puts the disciples on the outside and says, what would it be like if somebody brought you a cup of water? They're not gonna lose their reward because they're my servants. As disciples, we're called to follow Jesus. We are not called to have followers. Now, this surfaces itself all the time. I I see it surfacing in our church. I see it surfacing in any church. Denominations, again, is an issue where this becomes potentially problematic. But Jesus takes it one step further, and I just want to address that here, and I'll keep this, I always say that, right? I'll keep this brief, and then I go on for another 20 minutes. Sorry. (laughs) A lovely group of you pointed that out to me this week, and you really hurt my feelings. 
you didn't really hurt my feelings. So I have all these aspirations of preaching for short amounts of time, and I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, but here's why I think this is important. It is important to be loyal and faithful followers of Jesus. But the temptation always surfaces to begin to attach our understanding of faithfulness and our understanding of loyalty to the way. And what happens is there are Christians, and I see this all the time. I'm, I'm friends with enough different kinds of people on social media to watch these conversations happen. Full-blown arguments between Christians about theological distinctives on the internet. And let me tell you who the little ones are who are suffering. They're those outside the faith or potentially inside the faith in the church, but whose personality does not lend themselves to liking these kinds of conflicts. I'm sorry, there are some personalities by design who love conflict. They love argumentation, they love to win, they love to be right. And there are other people who do not see these things as so valuable. And the stumbling that Jesus is talking about, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, he is addressing the fact that when these in-house arguments and fights happen among Christians, it runs these little ones into the ground who look at the church and say, they can't even love each other. What on earth is the message they're attempting to proclaim? And it may in fact cause someone to lose faith in Christ entirely. Jesus then is not talking here about individual eyes, individual feet, and individual hands. He's doing something, I think, similar to what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 12 by identifying the body, the church, as made up of many body parts. And Jesus is saying, if your eye, if someone in your midst is intent on continually showing the rest of the church why that person is wrong and why that belief is wrong and why that person is wrong and why we are right all the time over and over and over again. And along the way, someone else in our midst begins to ponder, are we causing someone unknowingly to trip and fall here that we didn't intend to cause to trip and fall? Because if that is actually happening, it would be better for our church to have a giant millstone hung around its neck and thrown into the sea than to cause somebody to hear our argumentation within ourselves and among ourselves and decide that's not for me. Now this is hard to do because we're trying to be loyal and we're trying to be faithful. So this doesn't mean we just throw out truth altogether and just say we're not gonna worry about this at all. But these conversations come up all the time and they center around group loyalty. We've got it figured out and all the rest of y'all are wrong. This happens in churches. This happens in political discussions. And I, and I have to say a little word here about this. I, I know this comes up all the time, right? Oh my goodness. Everything's just becoming so political. Let me help you out for just a second. Everything is political. Political just means how do we organize ourselves as a society? The Greek word polis means city. Political just means the study of city life, study of communal life. This is political. What we're doing right here, we are a politic. What people mean when they say everything's just becoming so political, what they actually mean is everything's becoming so partisan. 
And what that means is you're arguing about, is it the Republican way? Is it the Democratic way? We've got a thing in our world right now called cancel culture. It's real. Do you know how the church responds to cancel culture? We don't get ourselves caught in a, in a tiffy and get all upset and start pointing fingers at other people who just cancel everybody. Jesus is talking to disciples here. He's not talking to non-disciples. Jesus is saying, is that mentality in you? Of course it's in the world. I mean, that's, that's what I almost, I, almost I, I, I laugh if it wasn't so shocking. Of course that kind of thing happens in the world. I mean, what do we think? What do we think is going to happen? Of course people are going to cancel you if they don't agree with you. Jesus isn't addressing them. He's addressing us. Are we among those people who just cancel somebody who isn't like us? Or do we open ourselves up to the reality that we are called to follow Jesus? We are called to be faithful to Jesus. And what does Paul say to the Corinthians? God's going to judge those on the outside. You don't worry about that. You deal with it yourself. Because what does Jesus say? Everyone will be salted with fire. And then he says, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with everybody. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Here's what he's talking about. For Jesus' kingdom to advance and to find life in Jesus' kingdom is to pursue life and to pursue welcoming and to pursue service and to pursue love of anybody and everybody, whether they're like you or not. We let Jesus deal with things in the end. He's saying, if you set up yourself as the judge now, and you determine who's in, who's out now, and you make yourself my judge, and you cause a little one who might come into the kingdom to see love and acceptance and, and wholeness in the kingdom, you cause them to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck than to be thrown into the sea. So what does Jesus do? He gives us some parameters. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. What's, Paul, or what's Jesus saying? I think he's saying this. The church finds itself in a beautiful place to extend life to the world. If we find ourselves in a position of being a stumbling block to that world instead of a life giver, we need to identify where the problem is and get rid of it now. Because if we don't, a worse judgment is coming for those who prohibited those who were little ones from entering the kingdom. So what does Jesus say? Have salt among yourselves. If everyone's gonna be salted with fire, and you take it upon yourself to salt yourselves, then I'm not going to have to do it later. You're going to be able to judge and discern and live the life you're called to live now and not have to worry about a judgment that is coming. I think Jesus is calling us to the ongoing practice of community self-evaluation. Looking at ourselves and then asking, how are we received by those outside our fellowship? How are we received by those inside our fellowship? And are we unknowingly or knowingly causing someone to stumble because they're not part of us? So this is a real deal. And I think the church needs to take this extremely seriously because no one else in our world is. No one else in our world is interested in being open-minded toward those who are different than us who love them. Doesn't mean we approve of everything they do or everything they say. That doesn't mean this at all. But it means that we trust Jesus enough to deal with those on the outside and to trust us ourselves enough to say we want to position ourselves as if we were like those on the outside. 
It's precisely what Jesus does to his disciples and says to them, if somebody gives you a cup of cold water to drink, they're not going to lose their reward. It's shocking to realize in Jesus' encounter here is that there are other people, not a part of our group, who don't think like us, who don't act like us, who very well may be, according to Jesus, following him all the same. They may not be following us, but they're following him. And that's what we've all called to do, all, all been called to do. Let's pray. Jesus, it's humbling to think that there may be people who are stumbling because of us. And we don't want to be the cause of that. We don't want to be afraid to face that reality. But we want to be humble and we want to be open to your teaching to redirect our hearts. Thank you for speaking so clearly and plainly to your disciples. And thank you for speaking so clearly and plainly to us. Give us hearts that overflow with love. And give us hearts that are sensitive to our own tendencies toward group loyalty and superiority because it's in all of us and it probably always will be. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you have the words of eternal life and that it is to you alone that we go. We thank you in your name. Amen.